The Review Podcast, yeah. Welcome to the Review Podcast. I am Anthony. I'm Bree. And this is a podcast where we review movies. It is a movie that either one of us has seen in the past, and uh, we just rewatch it and review it. And we're compiling a list of a uh, hundred of the top best movies of all time. Um, we're plowing our way through the Halloween series and the Jurassic Park series. So, hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome for the ride. Yeah, welcome. Hi, Bree. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm drinking my tea. Just relax. What kind of tea is that? Oolong. Oolong. Oolong tea. Um, cool, man. Uh, how was your day, Ben? I'm good. How's your week, Ben? Not too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough one yeah. this week. Lots of death this week. Not yeah, too fun. right. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've had a couple people um, that that we know, you know, unfortunately, pass away this week and last week. Uh, so it's been a rough couple of. Uh, it's been a rough go at it recently, yeah. but we're we're um, we're getting better. Yeah, right? I think um, we planned our honeymoon, um, and I think that helped kind of like. You know, nothing fixes it. Like, they say, like, the loss doesn't go away. That pain doesn't go away. It just gets easier to live with. Well, sure. And I think that's kind of what's going on. It's like we're we're moving on past it. But, like, every time it's brought up again, it's like, ugh. Yeah, it kind of sucks, yeah. right? Um, so it's been, a, it's been a rough week. But you know what? Um, we have had some successes this week. Um, I don't know what they are, but I'm sure they're they're there somewhere. Oh, little no. little six. Okay. Oh, I've got something to talk about. What? So we have got to discuss our beginning of the week versus our end of the week with Kaido, our puppy dog. Um, That's a success. This it went from a bad thing to a positive thing. So um, to kind of start up the uh, Halloween 2 2009 podcast in a somewhat positive note. Um, we started off with a negative. On Monday, uh, Kaido started eating her wall, and we leave him home while we go to work. So we put him in his little exercise pen for a couple hours throughout the day, and then my mom comes over to our house uh, at around 11 o'clock in the morning to feed him and let him out and kind of play with him a little bit. And then we instruct her to leave him out of the pen until we get home at around four uh, for the day. And he's normally pretty good, although Kaido has had some issues in the past. He, you know, he's eight months old. He has had some issues in the past of tearing up his toys and tearing up our carpet and tearing up his bed and his blankets. And we've, you know, given him the benefit of the doubt uh, quite, quite often. So Monday comes around and. We leave Kaido alone for a little bit. I come home and the baseboard of one of our walls is chewed up. Oh, it's chewed up. So I was like, what the hell, Kaido, you little jerk. And we uh, were trying to figure out, you know, what to do. And I said, you know what? Let's spray it with vinegar and maybe he'll go away from it. Well, we sprayed it with vinegar. He did not go away from it Tuesday. I get home and he, uh, oh, he's crying in the background. <laughs> he's crying. He knows we're talking about him. So we had to pause the recording just there. So you may notice Kaido is not crying in the background because we had to take care of him. But um, Tuesday rolls around and 
we leave and we spray it with vinegar and we're like, okay, maybe he will just leave it alone. He did not leave it alone. It's worse. It got worse. And in another spot. And so I, you know, got really mad and I left and I had to go pick up his food anyway. So I went to the local pet uh, supply store and I bought his food and a like green apple sour spray. And I'm like, maybe if we spray the walls, he'll be fine. But lo and behold, um, he likes the bitter sour um, spray. And I have to tell you, we tried it. Oh my god, it's horrible. Um, it t- like I almost threw up. Like it was, it was real bad. I was like spraying it on the walls, and then it was like getting into the air. So when I took like a a breath from like my mouth, I'd get it into my mouth. And I'm like, oh, 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 my god. And it's just so bitter. I was screaming, why do you do this I was literally like spraying it onto my hand and like getting him used to it by like licking it. And it was not affecting him whatsoever. He wanted more. This little little guy wanted more. And so like my hands were just like, I can't, I couldn't put my hands anywhere near my mouth or else I'd get that bitter taste. So I was having a rough one on Tuesday and we just said, you know what? We can't give Kaido the benefit of the doubt anymore. Um, I can't defend him anymore. He he needs to be locked in the pen all day. So when my mom comes home uh, or at to, to our house at 11, she'll feed him. She'll take him out. She'll put him back in the pen when she leaves. And we tried it out on Wednesday. And Bree? He's doing good. Yeah, it's been a success. I mean, so like Kaido has a pretty spacious pen. So he's like... It's like a little apartment for him. It's like a little apartment for him. He's in his little apartment while we are gone. And I'm like, he's, I he can move around. He can play in there. We put his bones. We put a little ball in there. And we put um, Kong. a Kong filled with peanut butter. And there's a treat lodged in there. There's like a couple... Like it's a couple... It's a little bit of peanut butter just because he really likes peanut butter. But not too much because I don't want to give him upset tummy. Mm-hmm. And then it's mostly... There's a small treat that's easy to get out. And then there's a larger treat that takes like a lot of like... He struggles getting it out, but you know what? This dog is really, really smart for an eight-month-old puppy because he knows that all he has to do is just continually drop the Kong on the ground, like with the butt side down, like with the whole side down, so that the treat will eventually just like pop out of the hole. Yeah, he is really smart. He's super smart with that stuff. But I can tell you, my I took the Kong with me when I took Kaido to visit his uncle, Bisco, my mom's dog, and Bisco's like 13 years old, and the hard-to-get treat was in there. Um, Bisco got it out within two, like, not even two seconds. Yeah, but Bisco's a seasoned vet. (laughs) He was like, this? This is mine. Rip. (laughs) Yeah, Bisco's a seasoned vet. Like, he knows what he's doing, so... It's been it's been an interesting. It's like sometimes week. the thing that takes Kaido like a couple days to get out. I mean, we'll come home and that treat will still be lodged in there, like he can't get it out. But you know what? It keeps him busy. It keeps him busy, and it's a little brain exercise, so he doesn't get bored. And I know, and like, and I take him for a walk as soon as I get home after work. And walks are nice. And for he him. likes to go on walks, even though he's a freaking pain in the butt on a walk. It's the walk is for him, not for me. Mm-hmm. You may hear like a doom because Kaido is under our table right now and he is just uh, being kind of stupid and he is uh, plowing into the base of our table. So, well, you know, like I guess like these past two weeks we've had like some bad things, but some good things and, you know, getting Kaido back to being a good boy, mm-hmm. buying our honeymoon stuff getting where are we going thing. for our honeymoon Brie? we're going to disney world oh yeah we are yeah we are i'm so excited i'm like 
I'm not a Disney adult, but I'm a Disney adult. You know, I'm like, I'm not the cringe Disney adult. Well, we're the type of like zillennials that, you know, we could go to Rome or we could go to Japan or we could go to Mexico and Cancun in a resort. But yet we're like, no, we want to do something like that's very active. Like I want to go to the theme parks. Right. Like I'm a roller coaster lover and like I want to go somewhere where like I there's a lot of stuff to do. I feel like I would just get bored by a beach or on a like by the pool every day. I couldn't you know? do like a resort. Yeah. Like there are people who are like, well, I would never go to Hawaii because they don't want tourists there. So like. Oh, they don't? No, they don't. Want really? There. Like, Our Hawaiian listeners can send us um, uh, like your the stories. indigenous yeah. Hawaiian people don't want visitors there. And I don't want to go to like. Mexico, because I'm not a big fan of like the all-inclusive resorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want like I I would like to go to like a foreign country, but I'm also like nowhere in Europe right now. Would I oh, feel comfortable? No, yeah, I'm glad we didn't plan anything in Europe right now. You know, we're recording this on March 5th, uh, 2022, and <laughs> I don't know when this is going to come out, but um, you know. Shit's going down over there and it's not it's not looking good. I had a student tell me the other day that he was planning on um, his family was going to go to Ireland um, for like spring break or something. I can't remember what it was specifically, but he's like, no, we canceled it because of everything that's going on over there. It's a good plan. Good plan. Good (laughs) Good plan. plan. I would my dream. Anthony, what is my new dream place to go on vacation? We've talked about this before. We mentioned this on the Valentine's Day podcast um, your dream vacation is to hunt for Mothman. But what is my new like dream? It's like international dream to go. The Ukraine? No, I don't. Why would I want to go <laughs> there right now, now? But like, I don't know. When... No, I want to visit. I want to go to China, and I want to oh, eat yeah, just yeah. every dumpling in sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we could do a we could do a a Far East excursion where. We go to China and we we go to Japan. My friend, um, my friend Grant, who may or may not be listening to this podcast <laughs> right now, um, he lived lived in Japan and taught English there for about a year. But after that, he kind of went on a tour of of the East and um, I'd love li- to lived do his that. life. You know, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. I would love to eat just like the street food. I use him as it an example. It looks so good. I use him as an example in a lot of my classes, especially my world history class, where we talk about like the nomadic lifestyle and we talk about nomads. And I said, you know, we have modern nomads today, like people that just roam around and they don't have a permanent home, but they live their lives. You know, they're journey people, they're travelers. I said, my friend, you know, he, you know, for a while he was a nomad. Now he's got like a permanent settlement, but um, for a while there he was he was just traveling and he was he was happy doing it. I'm sorry. It's just like when I see like all like I follow a bunch of people on TikTok who are like living in Beijing or living in Japan and like the food they're eating and I'm like it looks so good and then I go around here and it's like hamburger hamburger hamburger. But I love that. Cheeseburger. You know? Really bad Chinese food, really bad Mexican food, really bad, like, just all-around food. Like, you cannot get a really good meal around here at all. 
Yeah, it's rough. I've been, <laughs> we've been trying to find a good pizza place too for a while, and it's like when we lived oh, closer man. to the city, like it was easy to find good places to eat because that's like a center for like a bunch of different diverse cultures. Can I shout cultures. out a pizza place on our podcast? Go ahead, and shout. I'm going to shout out a pizza place on our podcast, and I'm, people are going to fight me for this. Everyone says. Their favorite pizza in Chicago is like Lou Malnati's. That's a chain. It's a chain. Giordano's. That's a chain. Great, but it's a chain. You want to get these small pizza, mom and and pop pizza places. So I'm going to present and shout out one of my favorite pizza places, um, which is in the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. It's called Freddy's. Fabulous Freddy's. And they're not, you know, um, the most... uh, uh, fancy pizza place, but it's a nice pie, right? It's pizza by the slice. You can get your slice, and it's so good. It's greasy and it's good. <laughs> and there's a, there's a couple other places in that area too. Rick Benny's on on Twenty Sixth Street. Oh, that place is Rick Benny's is so fire. good. Rick Benny's steak sandwich. The steak sandwich, I get that like anytime we're near mm-hmm. because it's. It's so good. If I'm going to shout out a pizza place, oh yeah, go for it. Um, in the suburbs, if you go a little bit outside gonna, of I'm the city, I'm going to punch you if you say this place. How are you going to punch me? If I'm you go you. to, um, I believe it's in Franklin Park. Um, it is Grandstand oh, okay. Pizza. I thought you were going to talk about a different place. It's that on I don't like Grand. Mm-hmm. The road is Grand. Um, the, if you get you get the extra sauce, well done. Cheese pizza, extra sauce, well done. Best pie you will ever have. Thin mm-hmm. crust, no. Th- People in Chicago do not eat deep dish on the daily. We like true. a thin crust pizza. Mm-hmm. That's the pizza that That's, the people here. This eat. is a myth. This is a myth about um, city city dwellers in Chicago, the Chicagonians. <laughs> that all we do is eat like deep dish pizza all day. And like I I like a good deep dish like once in a while, but my my main go is football pizza it's thin it's just you know a pie right i'm looking for a decent pie man can't find it around here that's like just a really good couple of places i'm like you can't really get a lot of good food around here like i haven't found a chinese place around here at all that's even up to my standards yeah you're very picky because i know what it's supposed to taste like so it makes me mad that mm-hmm. they put like weird stuff. In. When what do the, they put in there? That's the, weird. When the fried rice comes with little corns in it, okay, or little little carrots, I'm like, I don't know why there's carrots in my fried rice. Good, the best fried rice I've ever had. It's just like the onions and stuff like that. No, I know what you mean, and um, you know. We also, um, in our week yesterday, I think it's fair to talk about now, we saw the Batman. Ah, so good. So good yesterday. Um, uh, You know, I think that that this podcast is going to come out like a couple of weeks after the release of the Batman. So maybe fair to talk about the movie a little bit here. I don't I don't plan on doing like a full episode on the Batman as of right now. So I'm I'm. I'm cool if we talk about it for just ever ever so slight because this is not the Batman podcast. Oh no! But um, if you haven't seen it. Cover your ears now and come back and like I don't know, ten minutes or so. I don't know, not even that. No, we're not like, going to talk like about that much. Like a couple minutes, like we're not going to be. Yeah, talking about it. The coolest thing about the Batman, 
other than like the cinematography being really, really, really good, um, was there was kind of like a little Halloween like sh- shout oh, out. Yeah, in I the wanted movie. to mention that. Like, we're watching the movie in the theater, and there's a scene, and I'm gonna sp- spoiler. It's a spoiler, you know? so spoiler. Yeah, I'm gonna spoiler it. Um, the DA in the movie, the district attorney, is coming back from the Iceberg Lounge, 44 Below Club. And he goes into his car, and we know that the Riddler is in the back seat of the car. And so we get this shot of the DA going into the front seat of the car, and he like looks at his windshield, and he wipes off the condensation or the dust or something, and then the Riddler gets him from behind. No, it's this exact same move. It's this almost the same shot yeah. as Halloween when Annie goes into the car and wipes Whereas off. she's looking at the condensation. She's like a little confused. Confused, wipes it off, and then gets attacked. That's The same thing happens yeah. in this Yeah, so Brie and I, like, we're, we we're, we're with other. all of our friends, and um, we both looked at each other. I was like, that's fucking Halloween. Like, that was <laughs> that was Halloween. And she, oh, yeah, Annie. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I thought that that was really cool. That was, like, a really cool homage to Halloween. I can tell, like, you wouldn't know it if we didn't just do, like, a 10-part series of reviewing the Halloween movies. I think it was definitely like because we've been focusing in so much on the Halloween movies that I was like, I can recognize when other movies do subtle tributes to Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I I loved in The Batman how artsy it was. And we always go back to that Martin Scorsese quote where he's like, oh, uh, superhero movies aren't cinema. And it's like, I think that this was... This was definitely this cinema. This was cinema. I think this is an Oscar nominee or an Oscar contender. I would say, oh my gosh. Like, so the person who, like, shot these shots in this movie deserves I an mean, Oscar. I he's no Dean Country, but, you know. There's a couple of moments where I just was like, this is so well done. There were a lot of shots in there. I love the shots of the rear tires when the Batmobile is is driving. Um, I think that was really cool. I love the shots of um, Batman coming out of the shadows in any of the scenes. And I, w- I would watch a whole movie of Batman walking out of the shadows slowly to those four piano keys that are played in the main theme. Doom, doom, or um, that was the Mandalorian, but <laughs> you know what I mean. I I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I thought that there were so many beautiful shots in this movie, especially because it was all f- filmed at night. And right? I I argue that this is a film. A lot of the times when a film takes place at night, a mistake made is that it's so dark. Halloween one. Halloween. No, not well, Rob Zombie's Halloween one. It's just it's so dark. The chase scene at the end, I could barely see what you was going on. You can't see what's going on. This is lit in a way where yes, it it looks dark because it's dark outside, but you can see everybody. Because there's there's other sources of light that are it adds to the darkness atmosphere, but it's a source of light, like a street light, right? You can use a street light. We're not talking sunlight. We're not talking daylight. We still get the atmosphere of it being dark, but you add a little bit of light in that sense. Or there's like the lights from the club, right? Where the lights from the club give some illumination to our scene, but it's still dark. We still get the notion that it's dark. The Batcave, the lights from the computers, 
it's still dark. Um, there were a lot of cool things about the movie. I, I think the one thing I appreciate out of the movie is the idea that the way that it's filmed is, and I talked to Brie about this on our way home, the way that it's filmed is all the camera is stationary throughout the entire movie. Like it's either on a rig or on a tripod and it, it just stays still. So a lot of times when action movies and Halloween two does this a lot, I pointed it out. Halloween Rob zombies, Halloween two does this a lot. When you want to elicit the feeling of chaos or horror or action, you do a shaky cam where it almost seems like it's handheld and somebody's like moving it back mm-hmm. and forth. And sometimes that can get a little overwhelming and sometimes it can be hard to see what's going on. So you can use it well in certain regards, but you can also overuse it. And I think in the Batman, the underuse of the shaky cam really adds a lot to the noir aspect of the movie and the mystery and detective aspect of the movie because now our eyes aren't diverted from what's going on we're seeing things just as Batman is seeing them, just as Gordon is seeing them, just as Selena Kyle is seeing them. I, I, there's something to it. There's something that, that adds the cinematic aspect to just being widescreen and on a tripod and the camera is stationary instead of shaking all the time. Uh, David Fincher does that a lot. And that's, I appreciate David Fincher a lot because he does that. Um, so if you watch like the social network, there's like only two scenes in the social network where there's shaky cam or handheld cam. Um, if you watch Zodiac, there's very little handheld or shaky cam scenes. So I think Matt Reeves was inspired a bit by mm-hmm. David Fincher, but he also did a very good job at like doing his own thing. You know, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about the Batman. What do you think of Pattinson? Ah. <sighs> You love Pattinson. I love the Battenson. Battenson. Uh, uh, I've loved Robert Pattinson since he was... Since you hit puberty. Yeah. <laughs> I just... He is my type to like a T. My Robert Pattinson is stuck in a tree. <laughs> I just think... I, I've always been attracted to like that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Like, he's so... Unkempt. Did you did you ever see Jimmy Fallon's Robert Pattinson is bothered? Yes, I introduced you oh, to you, Robert Pattinson is bothered. 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 Robert Pattinson is bothered. But I I've loved him for so long because he doesn't care about his appearance. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, does, he were he. I, there were rumors, and I don't know if this is true, but there were rumors that during the filming of Batman, Pattinson refused to like do any of like the workouts or the dietary stuff to keep up with the body. So that's why you don't see a lot of scenes with like Bruce shirtless. I don't blame him. He doesn't want to. He didn't want to do it. He doesn't want to <laughs> do it. He like he wears like loose pants loose mm-hmm. shirts and like did you cl- see his uh clothes that are absolutely <laughs> atrocious like the man does not dress did you, well did you see his attire for the premiere of the batman no he wore like a dick tracy villain type jacket or it was like three sizes too big for him. like you were just saying you wore a lot of baggy clothes he wore a baggy suit but like that's his like style mm-hmm. like he doesn't care about his appearance yeah i, I think that's it's chic I find that's like what I I think I don't know why that's attractive to me in a person. I don't like I don't care about appearances. I'm like it's nice to not worry about your 
vessel. My vessel. My vessel. Oh, speaking of vessels. Oh, yeah. You know, we went to this AMC thing for um, the Batman, and they were going to have these specialty popcorn. Usually they have buckets or tins or something. This one was a vessel. It was the cowl from Batman. And the, if you open up the head, like you're like opening up for brain surgery, the popcorn is in it. And it was going to be like $27. So like all my friends, oh, man, we got to get this vessel. It's not even a tin. It's a vessel. And um, I walk up to the AMC uh, food counter and they tell me they're out of the, the vessel. I said, when did you guys sell out? And he said, Thursday night at 7 p.m. And I said, holy crap. How, many, it- how many did you get? He said, 50 what the hell? There 50? should have been like 300. There should have been a lot there based on the ticket sales. They sent 50 to the, uh, the theater that's attached to a mall. Attached to a mall. It's like super crowded all the time. I like poor choice. Poor choice, AMC. We're donkulous. So we're, we're very mad about the vessel. Okay. Um, let's let's talk Halloween. Yeah. Too. So we're here for ho- Rob, Robert Zombert's Halloween 2. I've been trying to avoid talking about it as much I know. as possible. Um, this the actual talking about this um this movie will not be as like long. I'm gonna be completely honest. I stopped taking notes after the first thirty minutes of the film. I feel like I have seen this movie. I just um so many times that I'm I, like it's it's very much like a lot of just like junk in it. I guess I just don't know what to say about the movie. It's a weird flick. It is weird. It's a weird movie. Um, So why don't we do a little... First of all, let me ask you, what scares you, Brie? What scares me? I think... We're almost 20 minutes in. What scares you? What What scares me? Um, Gas prices. Oh, dude. Um, I passed the gas station. It was at 439. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's terrifying. Cars right here? Yes, it's oh, terrifying. Dude, I didn't even see that. 439. Terrifying. Scares me. Chills me to the bone. To the bone. Um, okay, yeah, that's a good one. What that scares, scares you, Anthony? What scares me? Gas um, prices? <laughs> the, the constant threat of nuclear war. Um, <laughs> good point. Scares me a little bit, but... I thought that was a given. <laughs> as a history guy and as somebody that follows a little geopolitics... Um, the threat of nuclear war is scary, but you know, realistically, like, will it happen? I don't know. We're recording this on three five twenty two. Uh, by the time this comes out, who knows what will happen? Will it come out? <laughs> yeah. Um. Pray for us. Yeah, yeah. My second question for you, Bree, is, uh, what's your Bree's treat for today? Um, in the movie, um, they eat some pineapple pizza. Well, they have half a pineapple pizza and then half of like a sausage pizza. No, where it doesn't even look like sausage pizza. It just look like ground beef on the pizza probably was um let's let's go ahead and make our pizza recipe from before and then episodes you can check out halloween six for that pizza recipe and then we're gonna do pineapple pizza but we're gonna make it yummier and we're gonna add some ham canadian bacon yes so it's like canadian bacon and pineapple pizza Mm mm-hmm a Hawaiian. It's a Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, it's so good. It's a Hawaiian pizza. Do you put red sauce on it? Yes. Mm-mm. No, you don't. Not on a Hawaiian, right? No, you put red sauce on it. I've been eating the wrong type of Hawaiian pizza. What did then. you What did you put on there? Oh, at the dining halls at our old college, they used to have Hawaiian pizza, but it never had red sauce on Guess it. Yes, it did. 
I ate it all the time. It had red sauce. That's blasphemy. <laughs> this is outrageous. You know what? How can you, you, know how can you be on the council but not be on a, <laughs> not be a master? You know what the best dining hall pizza was? Which that one? garlic cheese pizza. Oh, dude. No red oh, sauce. Oh, my God. Just garlic and mm-hmm. cheese. Tasted like, oh, my God. I dream about that pizza. I wish I knew the recipe. I could actually probably get into contact with someone from the dining hall and they'd tell me. You should. You should oh, do it. It's so good. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> Ba, ba, ba. Okay, so um, this movie. Oh, oh, um, uh, Anthony's got some background for yo, you. Yo, yeah, yo, listen, I got background information. Um, so Halloween two, released in two thousand nine. Um, this is the sequel to two thousand seven's Robert Zombert original remake. <laughs> uh, the Halloween original remake. Um, I say original remake for that movie because it's half of an original movie and then half of a remake. Um, this one, however, is the sequel to that. So Rob Zombie, all bets are off, right? All bets are off on this one. Um, in in terms of the background information, this movie was released in August of 2009. Do you remember when this movie came out at all? No, I don't. It was like a, I don't remember ever seeing like a trailer for it. I remember it being out in theaters and then me not caring about it for whatever reason. And I'm like... This is my eighth grade year it came out, and I just remember I, I knew that it came out, but I I never cared about it. I think when I was in eighth grade, I still didn't like the Robert Zomberg movies, but <laughs> um, do you remember first watching this movie, your first watch through of this? I don't remember my first watch through of this. I, I watched it. I Okay, so FBI might come after me, but I pirated this. Oh, got me, got me. Um, I was a with little, your hands up. I was a little eighth grade uh, jerk, and I found like a, a website where you can stream movies that are. Wee woo wee oh, I know, I know. I don't remember what the site was. I don't do it anymore. Um, you don't need to. We I don't own need to. every I have single everything. streaming platform. Everything on the tip of my fingers. <laughs> so, um, I remember I streamed it and I watched it. It was like this cam rip version of the movie. And I saw a different ending than what we saw today uh, when I watched it initially. I just remember I remember not liking it when I saw it for the first time. And then when we I don't even remember when we rewatched the franchise in college all the way through. I don't remember this movie at all. And coming back into it today, I, I think I'm disillusioned a little bit with the Rob Zombie movies. I think that I remember the first one, the 2007 one, fondly. And then when I rewatched it, I thought, mm, this is not as good as I remembered it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I remembered it. Um, this one, I remember not enjoying it, and I continue to not enjoy it. <laughs> um, what did you think? What are your general thoughts? Um, This gets up from me. Um, you stopped, like, you stopped... Taking I, notes and you stop paying attention after a while. I was pay, like half paying attention. I mean, the dog wanted my attention and I was giving it to him. But I was like, I am just like not into this one. I guess it's, it's a, I think it's a slower paced movie. It too. is slower paced. We get a lot of just like Michael walking around. Michael, who takes also, on the appearance of a hobo. Also, I hobo, find, H-O-B-O. I'm like, where is Haddonfield in this one? 
yeah, we we question that as well because like Haddonfield is a suburb, but when Michael is transported in the beginning of the movie from Haddonfield to the hospital, they go through a cornfield. So is is Haddonfield a suburb or is Haddonfield a, a rural area? Or is it like a suburb next to a rural area? Then why is the hospital so far away from the town? And then that c- contradicts like other stuff in the in universe. Yeah, some of the stuff just like, and like didn't the make sense. the strip club. It looked pretty much very much like a rural strip club where it's like there in was the nobody of in nowhere. There's nobody in there. And nobody there was no there. one in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are you in business? I'm like, is Haddonfield like there's one a strip- rural town? So there's nobody in the strip club. There's one stripper working that night. And she's and she's busy. The boss. Yeah, she's busy with the boss. Like, how do you expect to make any money? And it was essentially the day before Halloween, which every day in a strip club, it depends on the day of the week and the busyness. But I feel like the day before Halloween would probably be kind of busy. I have, stri- I can I don't know. Well, the strippers <laughs> start wearing costumes, and that gets. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Mm. I wouldn't know. Um. This not it's not my scene to be complete. I have my friends, some of them, it's their scene, not my scene. Um, I actually requested for my bachelor party. We don't do that. Um, we're going to um Nashville, Tennessee for my bachelor party. I made one request. My request was no strippers. And I know it disappointed some of them, but um that's my request. I don't I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't I feel awkward. I don't want to do it. Uh I don't want to be around it. So that was my request. Now, going into some of the background details here, we got to talk a little bit about the production history of this movie. Rob Zombie had a horrible experience working on the first Halloween movie. Rewrite after rewrite after rewrite of his scripts, the studio constantly uh, shooting back at him and saying, change this, change this, change this, made for a really rushed production schedule and a rushed writing process. Now, there was some stuff that Rob Zombie, in, from my knowledge, in the first Halloween movie, really fought for. And he was, like, adamant that it should be in the movie. And it was stuff that, like, we're glad it got taken out. So, like, we didn't mention this on the last one, but, like, there was going to be some stuff about, like, young Michael, like, peeing on a corpse. And, like, young Michael, like... You know, uh, I don't want to say uh, something, a word that starts with an M that I don't want to say when you, um, you, you work with yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. um, there was going to be some of that in there and thank God they took that out because nobody wants to see that. But, um, even though euphoria, like, Okay, so we're watching Euphoria right now, and that movie or that TV show is a bit much. But they show that stuff in Euphoria, and even I'm like, ah, no. Um, but that was going to be in the first Halloween, and Rob Zombie really fought for that stuff, and they said no. So he didn't want to come back and do another movie. So he had to be convinced to do another movie. When he's finally convinced by the producers, he starts writing Halloween two. And the producer, Malik Akkad, said, you know, there's been this rule for a long time about you can't kill Michael Myers. He said, Rob Zombie, I like what you did with the first movie. All bets are off. You can do whatever you want. No rules. No rules for your movie. And Rob Zombie said, okay. And he ran wild with it. So Rob Zombie was really 
drawn to this movie because he can make it his own. He didn't have to play by anybody else's rules. He didn't have to use anything like from John Carpenter or reference things from John Carpenter. That's why you can tell, like, I don't know if you noticed this, Brie, about the movie. There was no Halloween theme song. There's True. It was not in the movie, like, at all. Uh, we watched the uncut director's version, um, and I didn't, I didn't hear it at all in the movie. So I think Rob Zombie was attracted to the idea that he can just kind of make this movie his own. He wasn't shackled to any rules. He can kind of mess around with the characters. He can make it as weird and as crazy as he wanted to. And boy, oh boy, Brie, is this movie weird and crazy. Um, Rob yes, Zombie's Rob Zombie's production of this movie was also weird and crazy because while he struggled in the production of Halloween 1, this one had more problems. The studio cut his production time by two weeks, so he had to cut a lot of stuff from the script out of the movie. We're missing scenes that were in the original script. We're missing characters that are in the original script, kills that are in the original script, and it really rushed his production. Um... There was some stuff about he thought crew members were stealing from the set and embezzling money. Uh, it was just like a nightmare uh, production for Rob Zombie. But they squeezed out a two-hour movie, and it felt like two hours. I Didn't I look at you in the movie, and I was like, we got to be almost done here. And then right? we had like another like <laughs> yeah. half hour, and we were like, oh, Jesus. Right. Um. So that's really the production history. Um, there, there's not really a lot to it. Rob Zombie, um, he, he really made this movie its own. I think we have to look at this movie same in a, in a similar fashion that we look at Halloween 3. Although I think Halloween 3 is a little bit more enjoyable than this movie. And Brie, this movie is David S. Pumpkins. David S. Pumpkins. It's David S. Pumpkins. It's its own thing. You have to look at it as its own thing um, because it doesn't play by the rules and it's not a traditional Halloween film like to to an extent like that. So it's its own thing and it's got to be looked at like that because it's freaking weird. This is a weird movie. Um, What do you think? I mean, I I, I don't want to say from what you remember this morning because it's a. I think it's a forgettable movie. It is movie. a forgettable movie. I just didn't like it. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I, Rob Zombie's not for everybody. No, I think he's definitely not the director for me. I just, I, I feel like there's just a lot of unnecessary gore, a lot of unnecessary vulgarity, and it continued into this movie. You gotta, you gotta watch these movies just like you're watching garbage. You have to be under the impression that I'm watching like an old Grindhouse-esque movie. I'm watching trash. And like we said in the last one, I just don't think it's it fits Halloween. Like the trailer trashy aspect of it. But the one thing that I I noticed first of all when this movie starts is it's grainy. The way that it's shot, um, it's shot in a way where it looks like it's a home movie being on like a reel, like a uh, a film reel. It's a grainy shot movie. It, it reminds me a bit of like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how that's filmed where it's like you, you look like it looks like you're watching something that you're not supposed to be watching um, with with the grainy aspect. And maybe it was just our DVD that was like that. I don't know if it was like that in the theatrical release. Um, 
but that was kind of my my initial thoughts going into the movie and I keep referencing this book Taking Shape by Dustin McNeil um, and Travis Mullins and you know they don't have much to say about this one uh, they they just go into a little bit of the production history and talk about Rob Zombie a little bit um, there, there really is not not much to discuss here uh, but we're going to try our best Brie we're going to try our best so you want to get into it yep, beat, let's beat get by into beat it. as much as we can I mean I stopped like halfway through the beat mm-hmm. okay so we open um, and <laughs> with Michael and his mom and it's a new Michael like this isn't the same oh kid. they recast the kid yeah. yeah they did recast the kid you, for you, a better looking enjoy, kid yeah I was going to say did you like the recast better I mean, I thought the kid fit better. I thought he looked younger. The other kid just looked, uh, unfortunately for him, D- gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody in Rob Zombie's world looks gross. This I kid even make a little less gross. I, I made a note on the side of my margins on my on my notebook, and I said, "This world is gross. I don't know why anybody enjoys living here. Everybody looks grimy and sweaty and gross and greasy." I, Rob Zombie just has a knack for making the, his universe look like complete garbage. It's not fun at all. No, why would anybody want to live there? But anyway, um, we we get also like the definition of a white horse from. I wrote this down: the subconscious psychosis of dreams. And I don't know what that is. I didn't Google it, but I'm assuming that it's. Uh, bullshit <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what uh I, somebody can call us out on that or call me out on that but i'm assuming that that's not a legit publication or maybe it is and i'm just like full of it and i'm ignorant but i thought that it was weird the whole white horse stuff and like the the delusions that michael has in the movie is just weird man it's just weird so there's this flashback as well that we were talking about with Michael and and his mom in the hospital. And she goes like, I I remember this because I thought it was like strange. She asked him, "Are you ticklish?" I am very critical of Sherry Moon Zombie. I, it's not very good not, acting. She's not for me, I guess. <laughs> um, I try not, and I try not to be mean. I try not to be so mean. Um. But her her way of acting, like she she plays every part like she's playing Baby Firefly from House of a Thousand Corpses, and I I just don't think that she was really right for the Mama Myers role. But you know, Rob Zombie, do what you will. Um, so she you know talks to him like he's a baby, and she gives him this white horse. She says, you know, whenever you see this, think of me. And I guess now the white horse comes into play and. Michael starts having delusions like as an adult of like seeing his younger self with the white horse and his mom who's like dressed in white. And that's like continues throughout the entire movie. It continues throughout the entire movie. And then Laurie starts seeing it later on. That's the weirdest part of the whole movie. I thought I was like, so she can see Michael's delusions. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's not normal. Well, we we can get into that. Then I was like, maybe it's supernatural. I was like, can Loomis see her the delusions and we'll get into that as we go to the end of the movie because that's in the like the final part of the movie but yes it was very weird the delusions mm-hmm. um well then we fast track back 15 to, years back to the present day where Lori is walking around uh because she has just shot michael myers in the face 
So the police find her and they bring her to the hospital and we get these gross yeah. scenes. Well, she's like freaking out. Uh, and she wants to try to get away. They're strapping her down. And it's really the surgery scenes on Lori are just so freaking gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one thing that Rob Zombie does in this movie, and he, he was quoted as, you know, discussing why he made the scenes look the way it did and why he made every murder as brutal as it was. And he's like, he basically said he wanted to make this movie in the sense of like, well, we shouldn't be enjoying watching the kills. You shouldn't be saying this is fun. This is a creative way to kill somebody. It's like, no, you're watching a murder and it should be brutal. So mm-hmm. I guess he has a point in that. So he wants to make everything look as though it's kind of more grounded and, and realistic in a sense. So everything that we see in this movie is so gruesome and bloody and brutal so rob zombie wanted this movie to be a little bit more grounded and realistic in in how the murders were portrayed because i looked at you in the movie and i was just like god damn like it's michael's overkill in this oh, movie. oh yeah it's like it's pretty gruesome in so, almost every part and, and of it. This hospital scene is uh, evident of that because now Lori's in the hospital and we get these surgery scenes of her like getting stitches and like her fingers broken and it, it's very bloody and gross and medical sur- surgery scenes are usually like really tough to watch because it's it very realistic. But I I made a note and I was like bloody surgery scene this is gross as shit. Yeah, I said <laughs> Like, this is really gross. No need. So, while Lori is in the hospital, they're loading Michael's dead body into the ambulance. And Mm -hmm. the people, the paramedics that are taking the dead body are... Are perverts. Another symptom of, like, Rob Zombie writing these weird, like, sick characters that are almost as bad as Michael Myers. Like... When he writes characters like in the first one we have Joe Grizzly, when we in in the first one we have um like the the guards at the the sanitarium. In this one we have these weird guys talking about like doing stuff to corpses. Like molesting corpses. Yeah. And I'm just like, these guys are like sick. Why does Rob Zombie have an affinity for writing these side characters that are like almost more horrible than michael myers who do you think is the worst character in this movie um because they're all pretty unlikable who do, who's the worst who acts the worst in this movie acts the worst like morally the worst sure it can be like, anything because like i think the the worst person is I, Loomis? Oh, I, was, I love that you, that we agree on that because I like love that we agree he on not that. he extorted mm-hmm. the story of Michael, continues to make things about Michael, never tells Lori that she's related to Michael until he writes until the he writes book. a book and she finds out through the book. Mm-hmm. Not even he didn't have even the courtesy to let her know. Yeah, and like give her give her permission to have that published. Michael can kill all these people as brutally as he as he does but yet i think loomis is like 
the most horrible character in this entire movie. He's the villain. He's the bad guy, right? Like you were supposed to help this kid and you didn't. You didn't help him. You gave up on him. Then you, you used allowed, his story. You allowed for, you used his story in the beginning, in the first one, he writes the book, right? The Devil's Eyes or whatever. And this is a sequel. And then this is a sequel about the murders that occurred two years ago. And he definitely, like, I think Rob Zombie was commentating on, like, the exploitation of these these people where Loomis is getting criticized pretty heavily. Th- and we're fast forwarding, but... Loomis is getting criticized pretty heavily in the press for exploiting Michael Myers and all of the people that suffered because of that night. And his argument is so stupid. His argument, do you remember it? I mean, he said he doesn't feel responsible. He's like, I don't feel responsible. I suffered too. Okay, well... Um, did you did you have a loved one die? Right, right. Like these, the people, the biggest cr- critics of you are the people whose family died at the hands of Michael Myers. I just think he's horrible. He's the, the worst. He's, he's the, the worst. worst. And especially because like, so he's like, we're selling the sizzle, not the steak. Because they were outside. Of, there's a scene where they're outside of the Myers house to promote the book. And his publicist is like... You know, I've done some pretty bad things, but this is like in poor taste. And Loomis says something like, America's built on poor taste. And he's like, we're selling the sizzle, not the steak. We're selling the idea of controversy with this book. We're not selling the book itself. And the the publicist says something along the lines of like, you mo- we might as well just go to their the cemetery and dance on the graves of the people that died because it's equally as horrible. And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that. This is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do. And I just think, like, oh, God. Well, at the end, you know, it's deserved. Okay, yeah, we'll get there. So anyway, <laughs> we're back at the beginning and we're, we're back at, uh, you know, these guys are talking about, like, molesting dead bodies and then they're making all these like creepy jokes and it's like uncomfortable to watch and it's uncomfortable to listen to because nobody wants to have that conversation unless you're just like a freak but they hit a cow they go cow and then the car like gets totaled like destroyed and this dude gets his like one of the paramedics gets like his jaw ripped off and the other one has like a three minute scene of him dying and just going (gasps) fuck and like I, I, I was like, I wonder if that was in the three theatrical cut or if this was just Rob Zombie going, die, just die, act like you're dying. And then they shot it and there was no cuts. And he's like, they they never cut. And the actor was just like, I'm going to go five minutes just dying. <laughs> <laughs> um. Then we kind of like cut to the um the hospital. I said... Oh, they obliterate that cow, too. I said... That cow gets blown up. Yeah. I said, how Michael get here? To the hospital? Yeah. I'm like, he walked because he didn't drive. How far... Well, we don't know how far far they were to the hospital. I'm like, this Haddonfield don't make no damn sense. Lori gets up after her surgeries, and she goes and visits Annie, who's still alive in the hospital, and... Maybe this is just my ignorance of like, because I've never had stitches before. I don't know what stitches like 
look like in I've real had time. Stitches before. Annie's stitches on her face. They are just really big. Okay, I thought that too. And I was like, these are like comically thick stitches. I'm gonna let you know like Frankenstein. Like, stitches cause scars. The neater the stitches, the smaller the stitches, the smaller the scar. The bigger the stitches, the bigger the scar. And I don't know if Annie had that big of scars when it was all said and done. I mean, you could see them. Yeah, when but we like, get back to but it. they're not like grotesque, and that's what these the are like Frankenstein would... stitches, yeah. where they're like comically thick and big. And I was just like, that's not that, that is not how that goes. <laughs> um, so we're at the hospital, and the nurse is played by um, Octavia Spencer. Yeah, Octavia Spencer, who I have to assume in two thousand nine is not that big of a star because. I don't think the help had come out yet. And also the nurse in the in the movie's name is Octavia. Yeah, they na- they didn't even bother giving the character a name. They just made, made her have her own name. Well, because like the nurse. So Michael's in the hospital mm-hmm. and the nurse Octavia dies. Yes. He stabs Brutally. the fucking crap out of that nurse. I, I gotta say, though, she's still the best actress in this movie. Yeah, you did say this. Still the best actress in this movie. But the way it's, it's such a prolonged scene of it's him overkill. stabbing her, like repeatedly, 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 and then he looks at her, long pause, one more time for good measure. And I was like, this is overkill. Why are we doing this? Why is it so brutal? Um, which, and then I talked to Brie about it during the movie, and I said, you know, we saw Halloween kills, and we're going to get there. We're going to talk about it in more depth later on, but Michael's almost as brutal and as overkilly in Halloween Kills. But why did I enjoy that more than I enjoyed this? Is it because of Rob Zombie's theory that like we shouldn't be enjoying or celebrating watching these kills? Like we should be uncomfortable by them. Whereas in Halloween Kills, we are enjoying and celebrating like the intuitiveness and creativity of the kills. Yeah, maybe. Um, we get like this really painful looking scene where Lori's like running away from Michael. She has like a boot on her yeah. foot and she has like a cast on her arm and she's like throwing herself down the stairs to yeah. get away. It looks so painful. And this is where I was so like, painful. yeah, this was a scene where I, I, I was like, this looks like a home movie. Like we're shooting a home movie. It's grainy. It's like, it's very shaky cam. We've talked about shaky cam earlier. It's very shaky cam in the sense of like trying to elicit that feeling of chaos and horror, right? Here, I think it's not, I think it's used too much, but eh, it's okay. Um, Lori walks through the hospital and she falls into a container of bodies yeah like a tub of dead bodies that the hospital's just like throwing and away I'm like where did this tub of bodies come from you know when you die in the hospital they put you in like the morgue they don't I, put you in I, a tub I told Bree that when we were watching I'm like hospitals don't do that like we're not putting all of these bodies in like a mass grave that's not what hospitals do like hospitals will like wait for also how many people would be dying in hand feel they got a tub of bodies like that well Usually, the wouldn't the funeral place pick up the body? Well, they would go to the morgue first to determine yeah. cause of death, and then they would be transferred to and the funeral. Like, Hannonfield just said, no, just throw them in the fucking trash. Who <laughs> cares? The trash. Yeah, just throw them in the trash. Um, so that was gross. Uh, 
then she also goes, unrealistic. Yeah, unrealistic. Then she goes to the security guy, Buddy. Buddy, yeah, Buddy is like the most kind person that we've seen throughout these two movies. He's the only one that like wants to help. And the only one that has, like, no ulterior motives that we know of. I was, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop for him to say something right? absolutely for <laughs> like, fucking You're deplorable. looking really good tonight, Lori. Yum, it's yum. Like, so, it's, like, some gross shit like that. But, no, Buddy's, like, a legit uh, dude. He He's, like, oh, you're going to get pneumonia. He's, like, oh, you're going to be okay. You're wet. You're Stay here. Put this blanket around you. Drink this hot coffee that's here. I'm going to go get the car. I'm going to lock the door for you. And he's just being an absolute bro. He's trying to help Lori. And I, I was like, this guy has no ulterior motives. He's definitely the kindest person. He does not fit in the Rob Zombie. I would say there's two characters that don't fit in the Rob Zombie universe in this movie. We'll get to one later on. But the first is Buddy because he's like too nice to be in this universe. Everyone else is horrible. Horrible. But Buddy unfortunately meets his end mm-hmm. when he is uh, unlocking the door for Lori Michael whacks him in the back with the axe that he he got from the hospital. And uh, Lori is freaking out inside this little shack that she's in where she uh, met Buddy. And Michael's trying to make his way into the shack. And he's circling it. And then he breaks a window and like tries to get in that way. To which I said, we've seen Michael burst through like metal doors before. Why can't he just burst through the shack? I would have accepted that. I would have accepted the burst. But he finally makes it in the shack and like whacks Laurie and oh, Laurie wakes up. It's a dream. I feel like we've gotten so many Halloween movies where Laurie wakes up from a nightmare in shock. Um, And I it was like a two year time skip. This is a two year time skip. Um, um, She lives is what I wrote. <laughs> she lives. Um, And then I made a note to say this universe just looks so gross and dingy and disgusting. Like they live in a house that's they live in like squalor. And I I think this is a this Haddonfield is rural. I really do a rural suburb because there's no way like that type of house screams rural. It's well, it screams impoverished Mm -hmm. is what it does. Like it seems like everybody in this universe lives in poverty. And except for like the Strodes, Mm -hmm. the Strodes in the first movie, like that was the only house that looked like it was middle class. Everything else looked like it was lower income or impoverished. And it's like Haddonfield. Are we supposed to get the gist that like Haddonfield is a lower income suburb or is Rob Zombie just like really trying to shove down like a, a... a might genre as, down our I'm like, you might as well just had Haddonfield be a trailer park. Right. That's what I'm like. You might as well have had Michael live in a trailer park. Yeah. When he was young. Because that's kind of what I think Rob Zombie was going for. I know, but Rob lives- Zombie in his script for Halloween one described Michael's house as quote white trash paradise. So we knew what he was going for, right? Yeah. <laughs> um Um and then we get like this, like it was all a dream. And Lori used to read Word Up magazine, but not anymore because she's traumatized. <laughs> uh, you did not laugh at no. that uh, Biggie reference that I just made. No. <laughs> that was a comically long pause that you made without <laughs> laughing. Because uh, sometimes you say stuff, I'm like, what? <laughs> but then, like, that's the joke. <laughs> 
Um, I just wrote stupid for this part. Don't know why. Which part? The my next note in after this universe <laughs> looks warm and gross is stupid. What was she doing that was stupid? I don't know. Do you I, remember? I don't know if her and uh, her friend were getting into like an argument. Yeah, they were getting in. So her, so Annie's alive and Lori's living with the Brackett, Sheriff Brackett and Annie Brackett. And they're talking about Lori's episode during the night screaming. And Annie says to take things one step at a time. Oh, and yeah. Lori and she loses gets like, it. She gets like so angry about like being in therapy <laughs> the dialogue is so cringeworthy in this sequence of back and forth between Lori and annie because it's like these characters are saying the f word after every single word and that's just not how people talk right like even if you're having an argument like i don't think people say i don't want to say it i don't want to be too vulgar i, just, I, don't, I guess i guess i don't understand it because like with my f- girlfriends, like even if we were getting into an argument, like we don't sw- like swear. There's an so my theory about like swear words is that you need the perfectly timed swear word to for it to be maximum effect. Where it's like if you're saying the f word after every single other word you're saying, it loses its oomph, right? Mm-hmm. But if it if if you use it to um like once in a while then it it, it ooh oh you said the f word right <laughs> sometimes like i'll i'll use the perfectly timed swear word with my students like i'll i'll, I'll like a pg13 i won't say the f word but um i'll say like damn son no i'll say like uh like a, a shit or something and i'll just be like because I don't swear often, but when I do and I say, that's bullshit, or something like that, then that's when they start noticing. That's when they, ooh, ooh, he swore, you know? Um, but I think it's, again, this is overkill in this movie of the amount of vulgarity and, and swear words, but man, maybe it's just not my thing. Um, I was like, Lori doesn't know any other word besides the F word, apparently. No, and she's like so opposite of like, what a Lori is supposed to be. But I got to hand it to Rob Zombie in a way that like, I do think that this movie is the more legitimate. It, it's the most character study movie that we've seen out of the Halloween franchise where we do get like this massive change in all of our characters and we got to live through it's how, do, how do we take the final girl and demonstrate how she's lived through the trauma or how she's handling it. And I think it's a cool deconstruction of that. Even Michael gets a little bit of character development in this movie. Um, Character-wise, I I do think that Rob Zombie is in a good direction. Does he execute it in the most perfect way? Probably not, but I I knew what he was going for, and I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, So Lori's in therapy, and she admits that she resents Annie. Annie's just the constant reminder of the trauma that she went through. And... um, the the therapist has a Rorschach painting like uh, above the uh, the wall. It's a big Rorschach painting. She's like, oh, what's that? And the therapist says, you know, it could be anything you want it to be. Like, what do you see? And she's like, I see the white horse. And we're like, oh, shit. She sees the white horse. Like, oh, come on. They're going to bring up this white horse again. And um, you thought that was going away? I, no. Yeah. I, I immediately thought, oh, does she have a psychic link to Michael Myers? Well, it seems like that. That's what it seemed like, right? 
Because there's a scene later on in the movie where he's eating a dog. Michael's eating a dog, which I and then she- I I had advised Bree to make the Bree's treat for today. Dog, <laughs> raw dog. Um, oh, 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 not in that. Get your mind out of the gutter, Bree. I meant like a raw dog that Michael eats and does not cook. Oh, Anthony, you're putting get your mouth disease. Get get your mind out of the gutter, Bree. Um, <laughs> so. I I recommended for Bree's treat dog. <laughs> she said no. Um, but there's a scene where Michael's eating the dog and Lori's eating a pizza. And as soon as Michael eats the dog, she starts vomiting. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, uh, empathetic. Is she, is she an empath? I don't know. I'm sensing you're upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'm sensing that you're not feeling great. Um. And she also sees his delusions, so I think they do have a psychic link. Yeah, Michael, um, we see has, um, oh, before this, Lori goes to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if this was before or after what you're talking about. The name of the place of employment. Yeah, please read it. Uncle Meets Uncle- Java Hole. Uncle Meets Java Hole. So... <laughs> I gotta wonder what we're insinuating with that title. Uh, we do meet Uncle Meat, who is the boss. He's in one scene. Um, but what is a Java hole? And I said, is that his butthole? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. You don't call something a, a hole and expect people not to think it's a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of hole? What kind? It's got to be a, a butthole. A Java, that's like a brown color. <laughs> I didn't. Even, I didn't put that together. But I said, "Yeah, that makes I don't sense." Know, Uncle Meat. Yeah. Java hole. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where my um notes. <laughs> that's where your notes end. You're just like, I've had it with this Uncle movie. Uncle Meat's Java hole. <laughs> that, that's the last I'm doing to this movie. And I, after that, it has a, a suck it up hoe because that's what her coworker yeah, said. She also. <laughs> I don't. I told not, her to suck it up. Some, some of my students found the podcast, so like I got to tread lightly on what I say. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Can you, can you my read, kids can't. Yeah, can you read this quote that she says right here? Um, Begins with, uh, "What up? What up, dick sucker?" <laughs> the character says that quote. the The girl comes into Uncle Meat's okay, Java house okay, and I'm gonna says be honest, that quote. I'm going to be honest. I would say that. You would say that. Yeah, I think that is, but only you're really close. Not my coworkers. Like, but they are like really close. Okay, because like I would walk into like if I walked into like a group of my friends, I'd be like, "What up, sluts? What up?" <laughs> and stuff like that to say like hi. But like I, I don't think Rob Zombie understands like, the nature of female friendship. But not aggressively. What up? Dick suckers. I mean, it was aggressive like, when she walked in. What up, sluts? It's like, who is this calling me that horrible I don't know. name? Depends on your relationship. I mean, maybe a little bit. Re- I guess I don't know. Um. Anyway, Michael takes the role of a hobo, H O B O, and he <laughs> not H O E B O. He's wearing a short skirt and fishnets. Well, I didn't want the viewers to think that I said like the slang for homosexual. Even though we don't know if Michael is or is not, he could be asexual for all we know. Um, he could be both. He could, he could be everything. <laughs> I am a homeless. I am I, gay. <laughs> and I'm new in town. Um, so Michael is walking around in like 
street clothes and he's got this big bushy beard and he is stealing from the neighbor's farm and the neighbor the farmers are hunting him basically and i said they're mean to this random guy well no they they take him they're like he's stealing stuff from our farm we're to assume that michael has been surviving by stealing stuff from the neighbor farm that's what i took out of that i know leave the little man alone leave the little man alone um and you know michael kills them great whatever um nameless characters that get killed um, but before he kills them, he puts on his mask. And you made an interesting comment at I was like, that point. At this point, he has only killed in a mask. Does the mask give him the power? I don't know, because he seems very like docile without the mask on. Mm-hmm, like, like he's just a dude. He's just a dude. But once but, he puts on the mask, he's like, I'm in full like I'm gonna mur- I'm gonna I'm be murder people. Yeah, yeah. brutally. I, does he do that in the? F- okay, so in the one. Where in the first one, when he is in the psychiatric hospital as a child, before he kills that nurse, does he put on his mask? I can't remember. Oh, God. I can't remember at all. I, I think so. I think so. I think he has the mask on because he's de- he's devolving as his mom is with him. And then the moment that he kills the nurse, that's when Mama Myers commits suicide. And he had the mask. Like, he was... I don't want to take the mask off before Mama Myers commits suicide. So I am assuming that he has the mask on when he kills the nurse. Because then that's like an interesting part on Robert Zombert's where it's like when he's not wearing the mask, he's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, but like the mask gives him power. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, are you, oh, it's that thing, Brie. It's that thing where we go, are you, are you, you, or are you, you when you wear the mask? Is the mask your true face? Is your face the real mask? <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> My mind is blown. My 13-year-old mind is blown. <laughs> Incredible and that's, and thoughts. That's again, Incredible minds. <laughs> like, and that's where I stop, officially stopped taking it. Okay, well, I've got the notes to make up for that. Michael eats a dog. Um, which which Ka- Kaido watched that, and I was like, crying. no, Kaido, don't watch he that. He started crying. He did. Uh, Lori then starts vomiting, which, which I said supernatural, uh, supernatural empathetic connection that they have. Uh, Halloween 5, I don't know. Um, we get more White Horse flashbacks, and the way that I took the White Horse, and I want to know your thoughts on this. No. <laughs> no you can't hear my thoughts or no you disagree <laughs> you said i want your thoughts on this i said just no oh um so my thoughts on the white horse is that i think that the delusions are a way for michael to communicate and like we're he- we're getting like what's going on in michael's head mm-hmm. so like there's the scene where we get this weird flashback of like you mentioned the halloween town high council it is. I I truly believe that they must have been filming this at the same time Halloween Town High was being filmed. When did that movie come out? I don't know, but because <laughs> it looks exactly like the Halloween Town Council, and it also looks like the big pumpkin from Halloween yeah, Town. Yeah, the big pumpkin from Halloween Town makes an appearance in the town square in Haddonfield. And I'm going to figure it out. So um, I I have to think that, and I want your opinion on this. I have to think that this is Michael's way of, or Rob Zombie's way of getting Michael to communicate or us to see what's going on in Michael's head. Because there's a scene where we have these delusions of Michael's mom with the white horse and little kid Michael, uh, where Michael's mom looks at looks at uh, 
Loomis and says the quote, he he's making money off of our pain. He's profiting off of our pain. Do you think that that's Michael's like inner thoughts or inner feelings coming out? Probably. So they weren't filmed at the same time. Halloween Town High was filmed in 2004 and released. Like, oh, released, that was like way before. And it's like 2009. But I wonder if they like use the same props. I mean, they had. To, I, I got to see where this movie was filmed because isn't the giant pumpkin like still around from Halloween Town in like Iowa or something? No, it's like it's Oregon. Oregon. Like it's like a that's like their thing. They yeah. always have it up. Mm-hmm. So Michael's mom makes note of like. We need to be united as a family through a river of blood. And she says in terms of Loomis, like he's profiting off of our pain. And my immediately my immediate thought was that this is a way for Rob Zombie to say, like, this is what Michael's thinking about. And this is what's going through this guy's head. And while he can't talk yet, while he can't talk, we can get the sense of like what's going on in his brain. So we get the weird Halloween town like people in costumes eating gluttonous food and i was like i don't know what the hell's going on in this flashback sequence but you mentioned halloween town i was like mm-hmm, yeah that's probably accurate. <laughs> yeah this is what it reminded me of mm-hmm. um laurie then starts having visions like waking dreams where um she is like in the place of kid michael and she murders annie the same way that kid michael murdered ronnie by taping him to the chair and like slicing his throat and then i it has to be a psychic connection i that- told i told you it's got to be a psychic connection because nobody else but michael knows the circumstances of what happened there because he was the only one around the police probably don't know because michael probably didn't tell them exactly what he did how he did it and like what it looked like Mm -hmm. so the only way for laurie to have that vision and know is to have a psychic link with michael yes otherwise that doesn't make any bit of Mm -hmm. sense um so haddonfield is literally halloween town because (laughs) then we go to the scene where they're in the town square and we see the giant pumpkin the giant pumpkin and you have the guy dressed up as um frankenstein Frankenstein saying stuff about the strip club yeah perverted stuff in the town square stop being gross this is our children everybody in haddonfield is so gross like i don't know why anybody how anybody lives a successful life in this universe everybody is gross and nasty and vulgar (laughs) i don't understand it um nobody's nice either like everyone's just an asshole to each other um so I don't know it. Uh, it kind of I, it, bl- it all blurs together after that for me. Um, Lori starts drinking because she is. Does she start drinking before she figures out what's going on, or is it afterward? She's I mean, off her meds, right? Yeah, she wants more medication, and they and her like her person won't let her have any more meds and she's like i want my meds and then she's, give me my meds and, and then she, she starts screaming drink, and she starts drinking and being this like really mean oh she to annie. said she said this quote and we both laughed at it where she looks at annie and annie's like what's with the booze and laurie looks at her like in disgust and just says meet my new best friend and it's just like a can of beer and we both looked at each other like oh my god that's not fun like, that's not good acting at all or dialogue. I mean, it's not good acting all around. But. I mean, all around. I mean, 
I got, I got to feel like some of these people thought they were winning an Oscar for the, their performances in this movie. So there's a <laughs> lot of yelling and like emotion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get the strip club scene where Michael goes to the um, Red Rabbit strip club and brutally kills these people that are the two people that work there and then the stripper. Um, he smashes. Stomps. It, stomp, like curb, curb stomps. stomps um, the one guy's head in mm-hmm. goes in takes the stri- the stripper's head and repeatedly bangs it into the mirror overkill just repeatedly and bangs it's just it into very the mirror. disturbing yeah um the stripper tears off a little bit of his mask too and that's kind of cool that was kind of cool and that was like i feel like michael at that point was just like oh hell no nah. and just went overkill because of that that's his mask that's his baby that's, you can't do that's that. My, that's my thing. My He's guy. like, this is my thing. You just destroyed my thing. This is like what makes me me. Um, Loomis is promoting the book. Um, and we get all that scene where he's outside of the Myers house. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, he's the mo- he's the worst. He's the worst character in this entire movie. Lori learns who she really is through And she kind of like breaks down. She spirals down. downwards because of that. I'm Angel Myers. I'm not Lori. And she's like, I want to go party. And like they go to this like really weird Halloween party where people like have their- barn. Yeah, where people have like their tits out and- Oh, yeah. There's, and I'm like, what's like, going on here? I said, here? who is running this party and why aren't the police stopping this? Right? It was like- it was horrid. If this was at like college, that would be shut down immediately. immediately. A party like that. Um, but we don't know where this place is. Fictional town. Me- meanwhile, Loomis makes an appearance on Chris Hardwick's talk show. <laughs> he makes it with weird Al Yankovic. With weird Al Yankovic. This movie. I said this movie was weird, Brie. It is weird. It's, got, it's weird. It's got weird uh, Michael Myers delusions. It's got weird spiraling downward Laurie Strode. It's got weird side characters talking about doing weird things to dead bodies. It's very uh, strange. Weird white horse and even weird Al Yankovic makes an appearance in this movie. And they embarrass the crap out of Loomis on the on the talk show. With you know, rightfully so. Yeah. And Loomis takes all of the I've never been so embarrassed in my life. Oh, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. And he takes all of the criticism and he kind of ends up reflecting on it once he learns that Michael is out. So mm-hmm. Michael's back in Haddonfield now, murders the crap out of Annie. Um and I'm fast forwarding. Yeah, you are. I'm, I'm going um, quick. He's he. So he murders her. She's she's done for real. And she's like, for real dead this time. And uh, we got Sheriff Brackett kind of like, like he knows what's going to, what's like going to happen next. Yeah. Lori, I don't think we mentioned this about Lori's aesthetic in this movie, um, where two years after her traumatic experience, uh, she's like punk rock now and it's just weird i just i think there's like this weird like i i don't think that robert zombert understands like trauma and like how like well he assumes the worst he assumes like she's gonna spiral and just lose her she does so many uncharacteristic lori things where even so i mean this lori drastically different from 1978 
this Laurie drastically different from 2007. 2007's a little bit more like uh, ditzy in a way where um, this one, she's all punk rock. She's like spray, she, like her stuff spray painted in her bathroom. Like keep your side of the sink clean, bitch is spray painted. She's got a mural of Charles Manson in her bedroom, uh, which her is weird. Her drawer says socks, one drawer says socks, another drawer says spray painted on it says panties i'm like you don't need to put that stuff on there yeah like you're you just doing just that know. to be vulgar you yeah know? Uh, i mean and, and, and then in the like uh what is it what's the dude's uh in place of employment uncle meets uncle meets java uncle hole? meets java hole there's like a sign that says fuck off and die in the background and i'm like y'all are just beat like this oh we're so edgy because we use like the f word in everything and mm-hmm. we spray paint things on walls like that makes us edgy F- fuck off and die um then you don't have any customers yeah so no so like there's I, if i was the brackets i would be infuriated that Lori spray painted like basically my entire house and in vulgarity (laughs) um there's there's so many like little things i i didn't get a chance to read everything that was spray painted but like there's a big charles manson poster in laurie's bedroom i was like why you think she just because not be into that right you think she would reject like all the darkness like charles manson doesn't have anything to do with michael myers like why would laurie celebrate charles manson because it's edgy because I mean, it's like this is what people do when they're broken i don't like it doesn't make sense to me no it, I, it, that I, was rob zombie saying like how can we make like the darkest like fucked up version of Lori? it's like well she celebrates charles manson and she spray paints the f word on things and i don't know i just i don't I know buy, i, don't I buy didn't it. buy it i didn't buy it. i was gonna say the same thing we both said we don't buy it <laughs> nice we're we are telepathically linked we're like Lori. and so if you eat a dog at any point like i'm gonna throw up what why do you assume i would eat the dog i think it's more likely you'd eat the dog and i throw up why would i eat the dog i don't know because you're weird um i think you would eat the dog i doubt it i love my dog i love my dog i love all dogs i love every dog that ever lived quick robin a dog pet it <laughs> um where was i um weird al yankovic no i weird al yeah and loomis introduces himself and says hello mr weird (laughs) (laughs) he's like al's fine uh it's just weird it's weird al and um so Lori's like i want to go party i want to go to this barn party and she meets up with her friends and like no let's stay in like you just had a traumatic experience she's like we're gonna go party she's like no we're gonna go party and Bree made an interesting note that when they get to the party, they're dressed up as Rocky Horror characters. And that's like really good Rocky Horror. Professional you cannot, cosplay. So before Rocky Horror blew up a couple years ago, you could not find the whole costume together. Like magenta. Like you could yeah. not. You had to go out and you had to find. These, you had to make the costume. You had to make it. I know These this. Are professional I know this because cosplay. when I was in high school, I wanted to go to a Rocky Horror like thing, and like you could not find a whole costume together. You had to buy the pieces and make it yourself. Mm-hmm. So the believability of this was a last minute go to, and this. that's what they play it off as. Is like, I'm like this is no, a last minute no go. way, because this was in 2009. You would have to buy each piece individually. It would take months. Yeah. I don't buy it. I don't buy it, Robert Zombert. Mm-hmm. You can't make me believe that these. 
professional grade cosplay versions of Rocky Horror costumes is a last minute decision put together randomly because Lori wanted to go to this party. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, Rob. Um, and Rob, if you're listening, email me. We can chat. But oh, so um, Chris Hardwick in the um, and Chris Hardwick in the interview says something like, "There's so so you're telling me, Doctor Loomis, that there's no difference between Michael Myers and a shark." And I said, uh, "Not according to Busta Rhymes." Yeah, Michael Myers is a shark. He's a great a white, white shark, shark and baggy ass overalls. <laughs> Buster Rhymes would disagree with you, but there is no difference between Michael Myers and a great white shark. Um, so the one of the girls that's dressed as Dr. Frankenfurter meets a dude that has like professional grade makeup on that is like a werewolf and they go back to his car and he's like all awkward and he's like all like excited to be with her. And he's he, like, I got to go to the bathroom. He's the most uh, on Rob Zombie character in this entire movie. Yeah, he's like, I got to go take a pee pee. Well, because <laughs> she keeps like saying these like weird, vulgar things to him and he keeps responding with, oh, that's gross. <laughs> like she says something like you could pee on me or yeah, something. So like, like, I could take a golden shower. Yeah, And, and he's, he's like, like no, no, that's, that's gross. gross. <laughs> and he goes and leaves. And he's like, no, I'm going to go on the tree. <laughs> I was like. He's the most like non Rob Zombie. He's a self aware character in this entire no, movie. That's gross. He's like, no, that's gross. Why would you say that? Um, which I would have the same reaction. That's disgusting. Why would you say that? I'm gonna go on the tree. Um, he dies. And he-, <laughs> he dies. <laughs> he dies. <laughs> well, he he dies while taking a pee. Um, which I, I that's a rude way to take someone out. Do you still keep peeing? Do you I- think? I don't know, but you do poop yourself, right? When you die? <laughs> I don't know. I think that I've it, heard that rumor, but yeah, I, you poop yourself I've never tested it out. Because your whole body just goes. That was like a South Park thing. South Park had that theory. <laughs> I think that's real. You think that's real? Yeah, that you shit yourself when you die. <laughs> if there's shit there, it's got to come out. Um, Somebody can Google that for us. I'm gonna, I don't do it. No, don't do it. Um, <laughs> no. You're going to get FBI'd. <laughs> do you poop when you die um Annie can't catch a break michael brutally kills all of Lori's friends he then lifts a car oh uh, and okay you can definitely tell that they use a small car because michael looks, massive michael looks like the <laughs> like a, a giant he looks like he's so you could stack two cars on top of each other and like that would be the size of michael myers in this scene so they definitely used a smaller car what does the internet say I I googled, do you poop when you die? And it was already one of the pre-filled things. So people Google all the time. People are interested. Yeah, it says, you may poop and pee your pants. While rigor mortis sets in, eventually, as soon as you die, every muscle in your body relaxes. That includes the sphincters that are in charge of keeping your bladder and bowels on lockdown, says George Jensen. I don't know who George Jensen is, but I trust him. Welcome to Talking Crap with Anthony and Bree. (laughs) (laughs) We're changing the name of the podcast. You are now listening to Talking Talking Crap. Crap. (laughs) Where are my crap heads at? (laughs) Okay, keep going. Um, Anyway, so Michael lifts a car. He's a freaking giant. The car is much smaller than he is. uh, Very noticeable. Um, Lori can see Michael's delusions and like he brings her to this barn and 
she's like being held back by, by little Michael. little Michael Doppelganger. And, and she's being talked to by mom. And she's being talked to by mom. So Loomis sees that this stuff is going on and is like, I can redeem myself. I can make this right again. I can get everybody to get off my back. And he goes to the barn where the police have now surrounded the barn. Yeah, and he tells Lori, like, get up, let's go. And she's like, I can't move. I'm being, and he's like, what are you talking about? There's no one holding you down. This is all in your head. Yeah. And, and she's like. And he's a, he's a therapist. Like, he's, he's a psychiatrist. He should be able to help her. And but she, he's horrible at his job. Oh, yeah, terrible. So um, what ends up happening is Michael pushes Loomis through the wall of the barn and yeah. breaks the wood and then picks Loomis up. And Michael does not have his mask on at this point. So we're seeing Michael like maskless for the first time. He just looks like a, a real confused guy. Yeah, he's just a normal dude. And he kills Loomis and stabs him. But Michael does something in the uncut version, not the theatrical cut, but the uncut version that he has never done in the history of the Halloween movies. For the first time in over 20 years, Michael Myers utters his first word. And Brie, what's that word? Was it die? It's die. It's die. He says, die. And then he stabs Loomis. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of underwhelmed at die. But then you made a good point. I said, what else is he supposed <laughs> to say? What else do you want? I was like, scooby to beep He said, uh, I'm calling about your car's extended warranty and stabs him. Um, Did you know Marilyn Manson can remove a rib? <laughs> Did you know Marilyn Manson removed a rib so he could suck his own? <laughs> <laughs> and Loomis, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, dead. Um, so I guess like, I don't know. Would it have been more edgy if you what said, would you rather fuck hit? you. I don't know what would have lived up to Michael saying his first words. I would have, oh, I would have loved it if Michael had like a British accent. <laughs> Die, you wanker. You bird. <laughs> Get away from me, bird. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst British accent I've ever heard. Oh, is it? No, it's, it's, it's pretty, bad. It's, no, it's really bad. You wanker. All of our British listeners are like you guys I'm suck very offended. you guys suck yes yeah, i watched guys. like um 10 seasons of love island within the span of a couple weeks and i started developing like a british accent anthony was like no it's poggers and he's like please stop please stop yeah um so he stabs loomis and then they he like, get the police just like you, riddle him with riddle bullets. him with bullets and he dies laurie comes out grabs the knife and then there is one police officer that shoots Lori and they're all like hold your fire hold your fire and then they continue to shoot Lori <laughs> and I said who was that smart police officer that was just like I'm done we're done like I'm I'm ending this now and then it picks up with Lori in like this white room in a white gown and she's seeing a white horse yeah and then we end with love hurts right love hurts which great song, but I know what they were trying to call back to in the first movie where Michael's sitting on the stoop and they uh love hurts it. And I get what they were trying to do because like the tagline of the movie was family is forever and it's like Michael loves his little sister. That's why he wants to murder her. And he wants to reunite his family because he loves his family. But love hurts because a bunch of people die in the process. I get it, Rob Zombie. Like, I get what you were trying to do. I just still don't think love hurts is the 
most apropos song to put in that's there. That's what I said. I was like, I, I don't think that is the right song, but I could not tell you the right song. I could not tell you the right song. It's just, it, it, this has got to be like, and then the movie ends, but this has got to be the most ambitious, like unique studio horror movie that had come out at the time. Like people were very much used to just traditional studio horror movies paranormal activity was coming out during this time um that's like a like a traditional studio horror movie right we play on what's successful Mm -hmm. this movie i think took a risk with rob zombie being wild and crazy and doing everything that he was supposed to do a risk that didn't pay off (laughs) did not pay off but it's a risk nonetheless and Rob Zombie will always say, he's like, I don't care what the fans have to say while they're critical of me. He's like, I brought the Halloween franchise out of a potential straight to DVD hell. And he's not wrong. He did. He did do that. And we, I I think while I don't like this movie and I didn't enjoy this movie, I can appreciate what Rob Zombie was trying to go for with this Mm -hmm. one rather than the other one. I don't like... The the other one I felt like was not, it was trying to be in the Halloween universe rather than in the Rob Zombie universe. And it didn't work. Like Rob Zombie style didn't work for the Halloween universe. Yeah, I would agree. But this one feels more like it's in Rob Zombie's world and he's playing with these characters in his own way and making his own rules. And therefore they fit a little bit better. You can't watch this movie and say, this is another Halloween movie. Like it's its own. It's got to be its own it's, thing. It is its own thing. Um, so overall, uh, I appreciate it. I I don't like it. I mean, <laughs> is it the me. is it the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life? No. No. What is the worst movie you've ever seen in your entire life? I don't know. It's some of those like like rom coms that are just like oh those absolute, like net, straight to Netflix. Yeah, like absolutely can't even finish. The movie, you know what I couldn't even finish, and a lot of people really liked mm-hmm. that mini series about Gypsy Rose. No, I, I could not one. finish it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. That was a do not finish for me. I almost did not finish a movie yesterday or the other day when I was like by myself Thursday. Oh yeah, you told me about it. with Kristen Bell. No, it was a movie with uh, it was called like President's Daughter or something like that. It was horrible. My date with the President's daughter. That's better than this My movie. My date. With her. Ah, my date with the president. You can watch on Disney Plus. My date with her. That was that's a better movie than the one that I watched. Mm -hmm. Um, we got to watch Luck of the Irish. Oh, oh, mm, we're recording this on three five twenty two. Uh, it's supposed to have come out at this time. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) we're breaking the fourth wall. (laughs) Shut your mouth. Okay. Uh, let's finish this up. Uh, Brie, would this go on your top one hundred? (laughs) No. Yeah, me neither. Um, Would it go on my top 100 worst? Probably. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I I think I liked this one better than the last one. I like the recast of the kid. I think that was a good choice. That was a good choice. Um, There was a cast member that quit one day into filming. So they had to recast him with somebody that was already in the movie as a different role. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. There was like some other stuff too. Like the original ending to this movie was Michael getting impaled on farm equipment and Laurie coming out with the mask and getting shot. But the studio didn't like the fact that um, she was going to die. So they can make another one because 
there was plans for there to be a third movie without Rob Zombie, and it was going to be Halloween 3D at the era when 3D movies were really big, which we'll talk about when we get into all of the unmade Halloween movies. Um, Thank God they make 3D. Yeah, you know, not I hate 3D. Not the only successful 3D. 3D movie was Shrek 3D. Shrek 3D, um, or Santa Claus versus the Snowman 3D. <laughs> That was another very successful one. Um, anyway, I think that just about wraps it up for us. I don't know. I think we said more than I had planned to say with this movie. Um, my fault for talking your ear off at the beginning for the first like half hour that wasn't. Let's about keep anything. doing that. I like that. Okay. Let's keep doing it. Um, anyway, we are gonna wrap it up. Uh you can always follow us on our social media accounts um, at GLDTV1 on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Brie, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, you can find obscure pictures of me um, in tabs all over the internet, um, but you will never find you can find pictures of me. <laughs> you can find pictures of Brie in the background of like old Civil War pictures. Um, I've lived forever. I've <laughs> yeah. lived thousands of years. Yeah. I am I am eternal. <laughs> if you really look close in the background, you can see somebody pointed out in an episode of Euphoria that if you really look in the background at one of the uh, extras, Tom Holland is there. Oh, yeah. He like might he have already up. been in. Uh, he might have already been in Euphoria because people are like, oh, when will Tom Holland appear in Euphoria? And someone's like, I think he's already been. He's like in an auditorium or something. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, though true true to life, I have been in several photographs where I'm just like in the background, like chilling. I had a teacher come up to me the other day and she's like, I saw you in a picture the other day. And I'm like, what? You did. You did. I was like, for what? She like something about a scholarship. I was like, oh yeah, I got a scholarship to go to grad school. Nice. I was like, I didn't know there was a picture of me floating somewhere though. That kind of frightens me. You can find Brie in pictures in old newspaper clippings in the I'm library. Like, you, I mean, honestly, though, I've been in newspapers before. Mm-hmm. Um, for my outstanding singing ability. Yeah. But yeah, don't perceive me. Brie does not. I'm on a. Fl- she doesn't need your follows. The only way I can keep living for thousands of years is if I become a nobody that fades into obscurity. You cannot Brie, perceive me. Brie lives for a, a millennia, having ruled over a civilization, and then disappears for a thousand years to an extent where that civilization forgets that she ever existed at all, and then she makes her triumphant return a millennia later. So catch me in about 100 years taking over the world. <laughs> yes. Um, you can also uh, email us anything that you need to email us at reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com. And you can follow us on the gram. Follow us on the gram. Uh, review underscore pod for, I don't know, I haven't updated it very recently, but if we get more followers, I will. So uh, follow us there. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find us anywhere where you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Uh, Signing off. This is the Review Podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm the Eternal Brie. And thank you for listening. Exit music. The Review Podcast. Yeah.